You are listening to a press conference from the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health with Shikhar Saxena, professor of the practice of global mental health at the Department of Global Health and Population. This call was recorded at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, May 12th. I'm pleased to be joining this media briefing. Uh, I would like to begin by saying that uh, Harvard T.H. Chan School is, uh, is very uh, well known for uh, research as well as for policy advice. And you can uh, see the name in many media channels and uh, in many news reports and on TVs. But today, I would like to brief you on an initiative that is on the practice of public health, directly assisting a segment of population that is very critical for public health. I refer to, as Nicole has said, uh, frontline healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, ER professionals, technicians, and many others. While all of us have been asked to stay home, these are the people who have been asked to go to the front line and spend not only their routine uh, hours, but also extra hours. Some of them are doing 12 hours, 16 hour shifts. And these uh, people are under tremendous pressure for work, also in, in sometimes in situations when they could possibly be harmed to themselves in terms of infection. The initiative that I refer to is called First Responders First. This is an initiative founded by the Harvard Chan School of Public Health with Thrive Global and Creative Artist Agency and many other organizations, including JNJ and many others have joined in as uh, partners. We established it just six weeks ago, and the objective is to protect and promote the mental health and well-being of frontline healthcare providers all over the world. Obviously, we have begun much more by assisting people within USA. What do we do? We have essentially been able to do advocacy. That means, uh, with the help of creative, creative artist agencies, we have been able to have a number of celebrities talking about the mental health and well-being of frontline uh, workers. Uh, we have also been able to collect uh, donations in terms of cash and in kind. And some of the donors have invested a lot of money to seeing the situation at the front line. And we provide assistance, very practical assistance in terms of providing PPEs, uh, in, in hospitals in areas where there is, uh, there is a need and scarce availability. We have been able to provide childcare uh, when uh, healthcare providers did not have any, and they certainly don't want to take the risk of uh, having their children being infected. And hotel rooms where the healthcare providers did not have the flexibility to go home because they were distant, or were scared that the family members will get infected. These are practical assistance, but on the mental health and well-being side, we have been able to provide resources which are online to help everybody who's under stress, who's facing anxiety, sometimes uh, even uh, going on to the anxiety and depressive disorders, which are very direct and frank. And these are online resources. Uh, some of them are called micro steps, which don't take much time. But if practiced routinely, they can actually be extremely helpful 
for decreasing the stress and anxiety right in the middle of the working hours and also self-care because we do believe that healthcare providers need to help themselves before they can help others and that is a is a very large problem because providers are spending a lot of time and effort in helping others and sometimes they forget that their own health including their own mental health and well-being is equally important because if they are not looking after that their uh, their efficiency at work and their own health will be in danger so by helping people who are the front line we are not only helping them but we are actually increasing the efficiency and effectiveness of the healthcare system that they are part of i would like to also say that although the initiative has begun as a response to the crisis that we are all facing because of covid-19 but the objective is medium and long term because even before the crisis healthcare providers were under pressure and this pressure obviously has increased a lot but something needs to be done which is more sustained which is more enduring to look after the mental health and well-being of these populations so we have plans to continue from the relief to the recovery phase and hopefully this will make a distinct difference thank you dr saxena first question uh hi dr saxena um i wonder if you could talk a little bit about the numbers of people uh you've reached so far and i and i realize this is a new initiative um and also are, are you um using this at all to um uh, conduct research and and understand the problem of mental health among uh, frontline healthcare workers as well. So thank you very much for the question. Uh, yes, it is a new initiative. So we are gathering information as we are going ahead, and uh, we have some numbers about the kind of about the number of people who have been helped. But we are collecting the data as we are going. we have been able to provide child care for more than 120 parents over a period of many weeks and that initiative does continue we are looking at uh, the areas where the need is very high and we are working with bright horizons one of our partners to establish and run the child care facilities we also have a partnership with marriott who's uh, providing hotel rooms for uh, in areas where the need is very high and we have been able to marshal a couple of thousand rooms for people who are in need of that and a large number of them have actually been used we are able to provide ppes to the extent of more than 50000 ppes going to the areas that are needed and we are also expecting more ppes to come in although the the demand for that has decreased a little bit in the last week or so but what i would really like to say is that after these initial practical assistance have been managed to some extent we are now hearing that the mental health and well-being needs are at the top of the mind for the healthcare providers and also uh, a very major concern for health administrators and hospital management people and we are increasing the amount of resources the variety of resources that we have online and and that is being updated almost every day and we are working with jnj uh, to uh, 
start strengthening those and we are also providing links where our own material is not enough and we believe that hundreds of thousands of people are accessing these links and are using them your question was also on research at this time we are not doing our own research because we are too busy looking after the needs as we believe there are and we are getting a lot of feedback from many uh, many healthcare providers themselves and administrators as to what the needs are but we do have plans for uh, systematically assessing the needs that are coming out we are in touch with many nursing associations to uh, use their data that they already have but also to institute some quick surveys by which we will be able to get some more data about what kind of uh, needs are there amongst nurses especially but also many other healthcare providers so action comes first but research and evaluation of the program that we are running is going to follow very soon thank you thank you uh next question um, uh, thank you uh, so much uh, for the session. Uh, as always, this, uh, the Chan School sessions have become uh, part of my COVID fixture. Uh, so thank you for that. I've learned a great deal. Um, and my question is related to Al's. And I should specify ahead of time, this isn't for uh, a story yet. So this is off record or whatever. It's not for attribution in any way. It's more just, uh, uh, I'm, I, I did a story uh, well before the, this pandemic crisis on compassion fatigue. Uh, and so uh, my interest is drawn back to that. Uh, and I, I'm just curious if we have any sort of diagnostic data in terms of how, how uh, uh, you know, and again, I understand, you know, you just said, I mean, the you haven't had time to conduct research yet with good reason. Um, but just even if you can speak in, in, in generalities of, of uh, how serious we think a mental health crisis amongst first providers could well be in the coming months and years. Thank you very much. Uh, there have been data uh, even before the crisis began. For example, a very systematic search of literature amongst uh, uh, people who have uh, uh, conflicts and disasters showed that uh, the incidence of mental disorders is five times in that population compared to the general population. Now that is about general population, not about healthcare providers, but also very recently in the last few weeks, a number of articles have come up with, uh, with the research uh, or at least a quick research on the healthcare providers as to the kind of uh, problems they're facing in terms of mental health. And it turns out that the vast majority of them are feeling stress and symptoms of anxiety. And about 30-40% of them are having symptoms which could actually be indicative of an anxiety and depressive symptom, which is sufficient to affect their mood, their thought, and their working, which is uh, much larger than what one, one would expect in normal times. And we also now hear that uh, at least about between five to 10% are disabled because of these feelings of anxiety, and they are finding it very difficult to work. Some of them are leaving work actually because they just cannot handle the kind of uh, mental health and well-being problems that they're facing especially with the overwork that is happening. We've all heard stories about self-harm, which are very, very unfortunate. 
whether it is more than the uh, what could be expected we do not know because we do not have the data for that but certainly these are red alerts red flags that are coming up and we are going to very systematically examine that you also referred to the compassion uh, fatigue and that's the problem that we are hearing that uh, the situation at workplace is so demanding in terms of compassion and i'll give you an example many of the nurses or doctors are actually looking after people who are uh, very seriously ill and in many cases are dying and there is no family member around because of isolation and they are the sole providers of any kind of uh, reassurance or any kind of advice to people who are very very sick and that takes its own toll on the mental health and well-being of the people doing it hour after hour day after day really requires uh, a lot of resources internal resources to do that and the resilience of these people is being tested all the time i'll also just make a related point that healthcare providers are especially reluctant to take help themselves because they are always in in the mindset of helping others so they don't have the inclination even to realize that they are undergoing so much stress and to seek help and to receive help they sometimes feel that it is not fair it is not just for them to spend time on seeking help themselves and that is a mindset that we are studying more seriously because that's a big barrier in providing the kind of care and and support that some of these people need very urgently over uh, th thank you Great. Um, I, I have a couple of questions. Um, uh, so as media relations manager, periodically, I will get and receive emails from other organizations and other people, in fact, who have been interested in um, contributing to this effort. And I was wondering if there's also been outreach going from uh, first responders first to other organizations or other countries even to help them deal with the same issues that their healthcare providers have been addressing. Have you heard do you know of any sort of outreach such as this? Were other uh, organizations yes. modeling themselves after this one? That's a very good question because I, as I said, our objective is global, although uh, we are beginning with the US, but we already have, uh, uh, well, let me also say that we have about 25 organizations as partners in either implementing our program or as donors and supporters. So for example, AmeriCares is a large organization that we are partnering with, with them and they have a very large number of programs and we are assisting them in uh, making their mental health and well-being much more suitable to the kind of population that they're serving. But we also have uh, now outreach to countries outside the US and we, have, we are talking to some of the healthcare providers in Uganda, in Kenya, in Africa, and also in India, so that we can try to understand better in some of the environments and settings where the problems are to some extent similar, but also the scarcity of resources, even the practical resources uh, is, is much less. So uh, maybe the pressures that healthcare providers are facing in these countries is going to be quantitatively much larger. And the kind of assistance that we can provide remotely 
or in some cases using the local uh, resources is sometimes going to be even more difficult and sometimes different than what we are experiencing in US. So we are on the job and hopefully we will make more progress there. I just, just want to add that uh, small mental health problems, well, they are still very large, but it's still people who are coping up reasonably well, but we, they, we want to increase their resilience, are able to be helped by online uh, assistance, for example, micro steps. But some people who are facing much more severe issues have to be coached or, or assisted one-to-one. -one. Even that is possible using remote methods. And we are tying up with certain online help providers so that we can provide that kind of more intensive help. And, and we have a collaboration going on now with a couple of organizations which are going to provide free services, even if they are much more intensive. Thank you. Uh, next question. Um, hi there. Uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about um, how you are viewing the current move, it seems like virtually everywhere, to reopen society. Um, I, I recall uh, several weeks ago, um, other folks talking about um, reopening in more of a um, uh, abstract sense. And one of the things they, I recall them saying was um, that it should happen when cases were low enough so that healthcare providers could take a bit of a breather and um, I'm not an expert in any of this, but it seems that we're not, cases aren't quite low enough yet to allow that breather. Are, are, are you concerned at all that, um, that the workload may in fact increase with uh, reopening? Or I just wonder what your thoughts are about the, the next phase that we all seem to be moving into. Uh, thank you very much for your question. I also must admit, just like what you did, that I am not an expert in this actually, and there are many other uh, people within the Harvard China School who will talk much more authoritatively about it. Uh, but seeing it from what my colleagues think, uh, opening up uh, is, is a balancing act, and uh, the opening up should be done carefully so that the risks are minimized. Uh, but yes, uh, you're right, that opening up will, will have some pressures on more people getting infected and requiring the kind of health services which are much more intensive. So the risk that the healthcare providers will be facing either a continued high pressure work or will get into what sometimes has been called a second wave of infection, which many other countries are facing, is a real risk. And, uh, and that has to be watched against so that we are not overwhelming the healthcare system and the healthcare providers. Uh, I must also add one more thing that uh, it is not that every area of a country or every country for that matter is in the same state because uh, there are areas where the pressures on healthcare system has been extremely high versus other areas where actually hospitals don't have patients. So that has to also be to be taken into account as you make policy decisions about opening up uh, the, the restrictions and keeping a watch on the infection rate, but also the pressures on the healthcare system locally uh, within the area, because that's, that's very important. Over. Thank you. Uh, I have a question kind of following up on that. Uh, so 
some of the experts, your colleagues at the school, have mentioned that there's likely going to be a series of waves going through 2022, which is daunting for any of us. Um, and how do you see supporting these healthcare workers for the next two years if, it, if we really are going to be going through this for another two years? Are there special resources that you think will be necessary for that? Absolutely, a very, very good question, a very important one, because uh, we believe that the impact on the mental health and well-being of healthcare providers is going to be long-lasting, and there are immediate but also uh, longer-term needs that uh, that have to be met with. Uh, we are uh, getting ourselves prepared for that kind of long run, and we want to establish partnerships so that uh, we have the kind of uh, uh, resources that will be needed for doing that. We also believe there is a responsibility of the health administration, administrators and health management managers to actually keep this very much into their minds as they're planning for the healthcare services to continue to have the kind of load that will be there. Uh, we also have uh, another risk in mind, uh, seeing that the situation of healthcare providers is uh, particularly alarming at this point of time because of this pandemic, we believe there will be uh, a downside risk of uh, people uh, taking early retirement, people getting burnt out and leaving the workforce, and also uh, some students who were thinking of joining the work stream for healthcare providers training, deciding not to do that. And that, as we hear from the associations, is a real risk. And we want to really start thinking in long term to say, how can we provide not only the support that healthcare providers need right now, but also create an environment where they feel supported and they take pride in the work that they do so that future students will have more inclination to join the work stream for healthcare provision and will feel rewarded, will feel valued so that uh, there is not a dearth of, uh, of manpower coming into these, these uh, work streams. And that is a concern that we have and we have heard, and we want to assist organizations that are responsible for these things to, to create that kind of environment. We believe that Harvard China School has a responsibility to look after the longer needs of healthcare systems as a public health challenge, and we are willing to play our part in that. Over. Thank you. And I had another uh, quick question. Um, so you've talked about uh, all the amazing things that this initiative is already doing. Are there gaps that you see that the initiative could be filling? Are there areas that you think that uh, the initiative could help uh, the mental health of front first light, first responders, uh, opportunities you see that you could move into? Uh, absolutely. In fact, we are just touching the surface of what we believe is a very, very big problem. So we have many partners, but we need more partners. We are talking to many hospitals and, and healthcare uh, provider associations, but we need much more. And, and I think even within US, the need is much, much larger than what we're able to do. Globally, we are just about beginning. So we would like as an internationally uh, inclined school to actually reach out to many countries 
where we need to understand what is happening and to be able to have resources which are able to help with them. And in that, uh, in that direction, we would like to make partners outside US and talking to governments, talking to public health schools and civil society organizations so that we have a much larger uh, team and collaborators so that we can really function in a manner that is very much needed. Eventually, by the work that we're doing, but also by the evidence and information that we will collect, we would like policymakers to more fully understand that this is the time that they need to open their eyes to the primacy of public health in public policy and to safeguard the interests of public health organizations in keeping our societies healthy and safe. Now that is the ultimate objective and we are far from even visualizing what is needed on that direction. Thank you. All right, looks like that may be it. Um, Dr. Saxena, do you have any final words before we end the call? Uh, we would like, as I was saying earlier, to have more partners. So if there are any suggestions, we would like to hear about them. And uh, if there are any other ideas that any one of you have how, so that we can serve the constituency that we are trying to serve better, please feel free to contact us and we will be very keen to hear your thoughts and suggestions. Thank you. This concludes the May 12th press conference.